welcome to the episode number 21 of the e-commerce queen boss. Oh my god, it's already been 21 episodes. Well, whew, time definitely flies when you're having fun. All right, so if this is your first time joining me here, well, welcome to you, sweetie. My podcast, Just to Let You Know, is where you learn how to build your own e-commerce empire with ease, flow, and grace. Today, I have the pleasure to interview Rafael Ramos. So this is the first time ever that I'm having a male guest in this podcast. So Rafael, you're leading the path to the future male guest in this show. How are you? I feel so honored. Thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. Okay, ladies, so let me tell you why I have accepted to interview Rafael in this show. So usually I only try to invite women. And for Rafael, it was different. Just like me, he's got a background of working in Fortune 500s. And he helps beauty entrepreneurs and beauty brands on the brick of global success engage with a dedicated audience. His secret applying the unicorn principle so that it's really cool that sounds super cool and i'm gonna let him tell you more about that himself later on from the nitty-gritty growth logistics and content strategy to brand development in innovation he helps lifestyle brands become culture he has spent more than 10 years engaging digital audiences on behalf of the world's biggest brand, providing you with ROI-driven enterprise level, zero BS perspective. This is his specialty. Oh my, oh my. So, Rafael, the unicorn whisperer, tell us more about that. <laughs> yes, the, the unicorn whisperer. So that's a, a term that we came up with uh, when we were looking about what we were doing and the different companies that we were working with. Hmm. Um, and the idea really comes down to the fact that for a company to be successful, they need to find what it is that makes them unique mm. and what will make their audience care about whatever it is that they're selling. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's basically the idea behind the unicorn principle. Basically, you have to listen to your, you have to define your audience, mm. yes. figure out who you're trying to target. Mm -hmm. then you have to really listen and try to understand what it is that they're getting from buying your product. Mm. Um, I find that that's one of the biggest mistakes uh, startups make. A lot of times you'll have a founder thinking, you know, it's a good product, it's a good price, why not buy it? Mm. Well, you don't want to buy it because there's hundreds of others of options or thousands of others of options. Yeah. But instead if you found what it is that makes your specific product or your brand very unique, and if that something is something that your audience really cares about, Absolutely. then there are no other brands. It becomes, you know, it's you or nobody else. And that's, that's the idea of the unicorn principle, that if you find what it is that makes you unique, and if your audience cares about that one thing, and you use it right then you're going to make it out of sales. Right. Yes, absolutely. So you focus in the beauty industry and specifically e-commerce. And uh, you've said 
if people find that thing. So basically, um, I'm sure you have noticed that with your customers and I mean your clients, and it's I've seen, I've come across that with mine, is that when they are starting off, they don't really know how to find that specific thing. So, what is the work that you do with them to help them find that thing <laughs> that makes them so you know unique? Yes. So the. Uh... Sometimes it, it might be obvious, you know, you every now and then you get a company that has a product that is just a solution to a certain problem than another than everything else that's on the market. Hmm. So sometimes right there, easy to see. Most of the times it's not. Uh, I find that even if you know what it is, it could be the reason why you started a brand. So even if you know about it you kind of forget about it in the process because mm. especially when it comes to making your own product, um, there's just so much stuff involved in doing that that at the end, when you've done it, you're thinking, okay, it's a great product. Everybody's going to love it. Just let's, let's put it out there. Yeah. You forget yeah. what, what was the trigger that made you want to create that product in the first place. And that's what you have to find. So a lot of times you have to look at why you started this company, why you created this product, or why did you choose this product to sell. Um, a lot of times you have to look at yourself and think about whether you might be the, the uniqueness of the company. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to beauty. If you have, um, I mean, the same could apply to any industry, but a lot of times you have... Um, a person that started a company because of something that they wanted to find and they couldn't, and that's what they need to focus on, their missing piece, mm -hmm. the part that they're trying to figure out, or because something happened with them, or maybe because they are something unique and they needed to, uh, to create a product that works for them specifically. So then the uniqueness of the brand is themselves. So I always say, you know, think about who you are. Think about why you started this company. If you don't own this company, think about why you chose to work with this company. And then look at your product, look at your audience, look at what the audience cares, what the audience cares about. It's, mm -hmm. It can be tricky. A lot of times we think that the audience cares about one thing, but in reality they care much more about something else. Price is a good example, you know? Yeah. You have, I, I, if I had a dime for the amount of times when I had a, a business owner tell me that people are not buying their product because the competitor is 10% cheaper. Yeah. 10% so <laughs> less, the yeah. is a product. No? This could not be further from the truth unless if you're selling, you know, currency, or something like that that is so based on the price, mm. price is really not going to be the, the differentiating factor that you want to depend on because even if you become cheaper, somebody else is going to get even cheaper than you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember when I was getting into the electronics dropshipping industry about mm. seven, eight years ago. That was one of my ventures. And I was looking for a supplier and I found one that looked great, very big company. You know, they had thousands of SKUs. So I thought that's a good supplier to work with. 
And then I realized that over 60% of the products were being sold retail less than they were wholesale. Hmm. So that shows me that when you're trying to compete on price, you're going to get people that need the money and they're just going to slice the margins in half. They don't care because they need the money. Oh, yeah. A lot of stock, right? And then good luck competing with people trying to kill stock prices and things like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, 100%, like for sure. I mean, um, I think this is, um, you know, we grow up in the culture of thinking that we can only compete on the price because, you know, when you go out there in the physical retailers, this is how they compete with each other most of the time. But we forget that there is the branding in the back of that. And so, like, I'm trying to, you know, pass on this message every time is that when you are actually bringing something that's unique and the product must be good, obviously, but your branding in the back is going to do the whole work. And so you will be able to sell at the price that you want and not, you know, try to compete on the pricing in terms of, you know, trying to be competitive because, oh my God, here's the headache that you do not want to have to deal with. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I think you hit the nail on the the head. Basically, if you try to create a price so that it appeals to your market, Mm -hmm. you're going on an uphill battle. I mean, it's going to be very, very hard to do that because... Mm -hmm. You're going to have to change it all the time and you're just dependent on factors that you do not even control Mm. versus your branding where, you know, again, you have to decide who are you trying to target, right? There's a high-end market, there's a lower-end market, there's a mid-market. Everything on the spectrum is basically an audience and you have to create your branding around that audience. A great example is uh, we're working with a brand that wants to sell on pharmacies here in the U.S. And the pharmacies do not want the same branding as their mainstream. It's too expensive. Yeah. Their audience is not going to work with that. Mm. So what they're doing is they're creating a new brand name with new branding specifically for the purposes of releasing a line on pharmacies Mm. versus higher-end retailers. So that's... Such a great example of what we're talking about. You basically have to decide who you're targeting and then create a brand around them yeah. rather than the other. Don't create a price to appeal to a certain audience, but rather create a brand that will make the price irrelevant. Yeah, absolutely. And um, can you tell us, um, for women listening to us here, um, because you are dealing with the beauty industry, and we we can see that it's a very saturated market, and especially online, where you know, um, as a woman, I can tell you, I prefer uh, I buy, I prefer trying the products before I buy them. So yeah. how how can you? How can you work with your customers in terms of, you know, per, you know, um, actually making sales when they're not really well known and they're, you know, competing with very huge brands in the beauty area? Yes. So that's a very good question. Um, I would argue that they're not competing with really big brands in the area, but for the reason that 
if if I start with a concept that I'm trying to compete with Revlon, mm. then good luck. That's yeah. never going to <laughs> But Revlon is a gigantic company, or, or the Revlons of the world, right? There's there's gigantic companies. So by default, their audience has become much, much, much larger. Mm. So what you want to do is you want to be very specific to a certain niche. So you want to focus on a specific audience, try to make it as specific as possible. It could be an age group, it could be a certain uh, style, it can be a certain even hobby. I, I was talking to a makeup brand uh, that was going to do makeup for um, a certain sector in the music industry, for example. Mm. So you can get very specific with your audience and by doing that you stop competing with everyone you're just competing with if you're competing with someone you're competing with a few select people and they're not going to be mega brands mm. they're going to be smaller businesses like you so you're kind of leveling the playful which i think is really important when mm. you're starting out and you don't have a giant budget um as simple as that focus on a specific audience now and once you do that then you have to also consider your audience on everything that you do. So back to what you were saying about the price, for example, yeah. you need a price that will work with your audience, but you do that considering what you want to do. And then you just want to make sure that what you do, you're doing it consistent. If I'm selling a really high-end brand, I'm not going to price it cheap because then that doesn't match my brand. But if the whole idea is to appeal to an audience that might be looking to save some money, then mm. I don't have to be the cheapest, but I need to be priced at a lower bracket. So that's the idea. Everything needs to be consistent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In terms of branding, it's um, this is what I do too. It's like branding, um, the branding experience and everything that, you know, um, is, is, is part of the, the company. And, you know, when you're actually trying the product, you know, receiving it and everything, as you said, everything must be aligned with the branding. And so, um, Raphael, tell me, if I have this one woman listening to me right now and she, she just wants to get into the beauty industry and creating her own brand, for example, and she is just starting right now. So what is what are the first few steps that you can walk her through in order to be successful? So is that a person that has an idea for a brand or they don't and they just want to start the brand? They, they have they have an idea they, they want to get into makeup because you know the, she loves makeup so much and she wants to create a line. Okay, great. So I would say the first step is to listen to what's happening in the industry. Hmm. So go on social media, read reviews, read comments, read conversations, try to go to where people are talking and listen to what they're saying. Um, that's actually great. That's how uh, a lot of uh, entrepreneurial spirits work. They look at finding a problem and then they create a solution rather than coming up with an idea yeah. and trying to force yeah. it into an audience, right? Absolutely, yeah. So you want to listen to what people are talking about and then you want to try and, and find what they're passionate about and what might be missing from the market. Uh, a great example is Fenty Beauty, 
where it's Rihanna's brand. So a lot of people would say that it became so wildly successful because it has a mega celebrity behind it. Yeah. But that's actually not true because you have so many brands that have big celebrities behind them and don't really work. Or many brands that hire influencers to promote them and they just fail. Yeah. I think the reason why Fenty Beauty was so successful is that it started with a concept that there isn't makeup to cover every different type of skin color. Mm. Yeah. Very specific. Yeah. You're not just saying there isn't good makeup or there isn't, you know, striking makeup or whatever. You're saying something very specific. There isn't enough makeup to cover every different type of skin color. And there are many skin colors. Yeah. So they launched, I believe, uh, a campaign with 40 different shades based on the notion that we're covering every skin color on the spectrum. Mm. And that's what made the company blow up. Yeah. They, they were not trying to compete with Revlon, even though they could, because they had the money to, to compete with the big, buy, the big guys. Yeah. Uh, but instead, they found a specific niche, and they, they established themselves in that niche. Now, once you do that, you can potentially you know, still keep it at your core, but expand to other avenues as well. But when you're starting out, you need to be very clear about what you're doing. You need to be very clear about what it is that um, that you're trying to address. You don't start start the makeup line to start the makeup line. You start the makeup line because X, Y, Z is missing or because, I don't know, um, maybe it can be because of an actual cause, like a, a bigger picture item. Let's say another example, not from the beauty industry, but you have uh, Pura Vida bracelets. Mm. This is a company that was founded, I believe, by two guys that went to Costa Rica and they saw that there's a lot of poverty. And they decided to start a company where they would manufacture everything in Costa Rica with Costa Ricans Mm. and then sell it to the world. And that became their brand. They were the Costa Rican uh, bracelet company. Now, we're just talking about bracelets. So the bracelets themselves, obviously, are just a fashion accessory. You just wear it to look good. But behind it, there's a bigger brand and a bigger picture of helping um, a really amazing country. So I think that that's really, really special. And you'll see that almost every success... Uh, started with something like that. Sometimes even on a subconscious level where you have uh, another great example. Examples are good because they really reinforce. <laughs> yes. The uh, we had, we were, we launched Jeffree Star Cosmetics. Uh, Jeffrey is a celebrity slash actor slash singer slash entrepreneur. He basically does everything. Um, <laughs> he also wears a ton of makeup. Yeah. So (laughs) when he launched the line, the idea behind his line is this is basically what I stand for. So this is me. And if you want to kind of look like me or if you believe in the same things that I believe in, then this is the makeup you want to wear. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't about the colors. If somebody were to actually be 
mathematical about it and analytical about it, and then just look at the specific colors, you can probably find the exact same colors in other brands. Or I shouldn't say exact, but similar. Um, there are some. There is uniqueness there because there are unique colors, but they're not going to be unique enough to make a company successful. Yeah. But Jeffrey yeah. is unique enough. Jeffrey is, oh, yeah. is a, a differentiator. So that's what you need to think about. What is it that makes your company unique and that people care about so that together you can use it and, and really drive sales? Yeah. Yeah, we're here talking about Jeffrey Star, you guys. If you don't know who he is, he's a really famous, famous YouTuber, and he was doing beauty uh, tutorials on YouTube. I've seen that a couple of times. Um, how I, that's beautiful that you started to talk about that because that was my next my next question. Um, how do you get to work with um, influencers this big? That's a good question. You'd be surprised. I mean, we. I, you'd be surprised by the fact that regardless of how big a person or still have to find a right fit company to work with. Yeah. So uh, when I when I started my agency, Weberus, um, it started as a one person team. It was just myself. And then I hired another person and then I hired another person. And fast forward to a few years later, we had a team of about 15 people and we've worked on a lot of different projects. One of them was Melt Cosmetics that we launched as a brand and they became a gigantic success in the independent uh, makeup world. So Jeffrey came as a result of that. He saw what we did with Melt and he said, you know, I'm launching my own line. Uh, I love what you did with Melt. I'd love to work with you. Wow. Similar way, though, we got Disney as a client as well. They they found a project that we did, and they reached out, and they said, you know, we have this project. We see that you did this work. Tell us if you can do something for us as well. So I think that if you start doing, then people can notice, and people will notice and, and find you, as long as you do it consistently and you do it right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Disney is trying to do something in the cosmetic world? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that was five years ago. They were doing oh. a, a website for the Tomorrowland movie with George Clooney. Okay. All right. I thought we were like on a scoop in here. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool though. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can imagine that. <laughs> and so for the women listening in here, um, how did you personally end up in the beauty world? <laughs> so it happened uh, It happened gradually. I didn't start in the beauty world. I started in the marketing world. Yeah. And then I transitioned into the web design and development world with uh, Weberus. And then I turned from what used to be a strategist. I used to work with companies one-on-one -on -one and helping them build their sites to becoming a manager. I was managing people mm, because yeah. the company had grown and we had a lot of people. So I couldn't afford to work on a project. I had to work on the company. And honestly, it just got a little bit boring and hectic because it's just not where my heart is. I prefer to, to dive in and really work with businesses to help them grow. So I took a step back and I looked at our client roster and I tried to see where we have the most notable successes and beauty was just a clear winner, you know, between Melt or Jeffree Star 
or you know we did uh, we launched another brand called Pre Hills. You know, mainly with web design and development, but these are very established brands. So I thought, you know, there's a calling, the beauty industry. And I also saw that there is a certain size that I can really, really help with. And that size is typically once you've hit a certain revenue. So you've proven that you have a good product, but now what you need is to basically further establish yourself as a brand. And that's how you go from the half a million dollars or a million dollars revenue to the, you know, four or five million dollars revenue or the ten million dollars revenue. So that's the the sweet spot. If you've had a couple of hundred thousand dollars in sales, then you know that people are are liking your product. They're buying it. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Uh, now, how do you use that to really dig in and find out why they're buying it? And how do you use that why to also address a bigger audience and really find um, find them where they're hanging out so that they can see your product and, and buy it? And that's what I do. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. <laughs> and um, right. I know that a lot of people listening also to my podcast are into beauty, but they are network marketers. And so how would you advise them into, you know, tr- trying to sell more of their items because there is like so, so much uh, competition in, in this area and so many women selling the exact same brand as them, you know? And so what would you recommend in, in terms of standing out and selling more of a product that they they cannot brand, they cannot change the branding, you know, the brand is already existing and all they can do is create their own e-commerce. So what would you what would you advise to those women? I would say that the idea is exactly the same. Um, and I'll explain how, but excluding cases where there are very strict guidelines of what you can and cannot do with a certain brand. You know, maybe they'll tell you you cannot do certain things. But assuming that they give you a card lunch and you're just talking about a brand that is there and so, you know, you cannot change their branding, but that's fine because you chose that brand. So clearly you see potential. It, it hit a chord. It struck a chord with, with... So what you have to figure out is what that was. Why did you choose to sell that versus the hundreds of others that are out there? And then you need to create your own branding. When I say branding, I don't necessarily mean or colors, things like that, but instead a sale, a presentation, a sales pitch. Uh, find what it is that for you, and specifically for you or for your, the audience that you're targeting, what it is that makes this product the best solution in the market for it, and then present it as such to your audience. Uh, I think that for network marketing, presenting an additional benefit is best. And what I mean by that is if Raphael is selling the same thing as a hundred of other people, then maybe Raphael should go in the forefront because there's only one Raphael. Yeah. Even if it's hundreds of others, there's only one of me. So if I can attach myself to the product in one way or another, and I sort of become the brand, then 
I stand out and then I become unique, even though there's many people doing the same thing. Gorgeous. I love that. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. And so, Rafael, where can people find you if they want to work with you? They can find me on generateculture.com. So generateculture.com. And I'm happy to also give out my email, which is yeah, sure. Rafael at generateculture.com. Uh, so if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to help. I really, especially in the beauty industry, I've seen so many companies work and not work. That uh, what I try to do is I try to create a little worksheet that I actually give out for free on my blog. Um, yeah, you freebie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, freebies are good, right? Um, the idea of the worksheet is you basically have a table that you can use where you can write down a few items that you think are unique about your brand, and then you can also rate them to see if you know you'll be the one to decide whether it's a good idea to focus on one of those items. Mm, if you find one of those items, then maybe you have to rethink about, you know, what you're doing. Because a lot of times you might start the company with by missing the, the reason that could make it successful, you know. Yeah. So even if it's an existing company, it doesn't have to be a new company. You can still realign and, and adjust what you're doing to make it work. Awesome. I love that. And yes, I totally agree. It's true that, um, you know, there's a lot, you need a lot of motivation to start working on your business and stuff like that. But there's also a lot of preparation that is needed. And once you understand the right amount of preparation is not about keeping you uh, stuck on that level, but it's just about doing the, the minimum that you need to be able to bootstrap and just go ahead for this new adventure in your life because it's going to be a hell of a great adventure. Oh, yes. And <laughs> yeah, you better be prepared from the start. I'll make sure that I will link all the, the links that you gave us and the link to your freebie so people can download it directly from the show notes. Rafael, before I let you go, I'm always asking this question to every one of my guests, which is what do you want to be remembered for? That's a very good question. It's, it's hard to answer, right? What I want to be remembered for. I guess I would say, um, are we talking big picture or As a podcast? person, as an entrepreneur, how do you want to as be remembered for? Yeah. Uh, I would say that I want to be remembered as a, as a strategist, as the person that would get in, figure something that makes people tick and, mm. and then use it to... To create momentum, even if something seems like it's uh, it has slowed down, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most exciting. I love challenges. I love it when I talk to a brand and they tell me that they're doing good, but they've saturated the market. Like mm-hmm. when I hear the word "saturate," yeah, that strikes a chord, and I'm like, okay, let's let's challenge that. Let's see yeah. what we can do. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Love that. I love that so much. Thank you so much, Rafael, for your time. Thank and you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> my pleasure. You were the first guy in my podcast. <laughs> there you go. I'll take the title now. <laughs>
I'm pleased to have you and it was a beautiful conversation. We've talked about so much and looking forward to hear about the listeners. If they like this episode, please come over to my Facebook group or make sure that you leave a review because you can listen to this episode uh, from every podcast provider out there, um, iTunes, Google Play or SoundCloud. Make sure you like the podcast and you tell us how much you loved it. And again, I will leave all the links to Raphael's uh, goodness and goodies that he has prepared for you and until the next time have a beautiful day perfect awesome. <laughs> <laughs>